G'day, punters. Welcome to the mailbag. Powered by ponyform.com.au. Hydrated by Goat Lager. Mark Roden, Shay Shirley, Pistol Pete and myself take you through a, a very... Like, Curly's that excited about this many lip switch that got to calm him down. We said, Curls, I know you want to do all eight races. No, mate. Just only do two. You want the rest. Head to the mailbag.com.au and purchase your set. Uh, boys, how are we? Boys! I'm very well, Jack. Um... <laughs> Yeah, everything you said there was a lie about me. Well, I'm not excited at all. But um, there's still betting to be had in Queensland this week. The only little issue that I've got is that I don't, I'm still trying to come to grips with this. It's sort of hard to say. There's only two tab meetings in South East Queensland this Saturday. How are you going to what? cope? <laughs> Bullshit, mate. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I made it pretty clear on the show last week. Shut up and let me bet. So now I'm going to have to go to the non-tab meeting at Warwick <laughs> on Saturday Harvo and bet from there so I can still do my three meetings. What's missing, Toowoomba? No, uh, there's no Saturday Harvo. The, the Saturday afternoon tab meeting is at Rockhampton. Oh, so no Gold Coast. No Gold Coast, yeah. Oh, really? But back to Toowoomba Saturday night. Yeah, Toowoomba Saturday night, yeah. The Warwick-Toowoomba doubleheader, isn't that the same pool of horses? Yeah, it's like an 80-kilometre yeah. travel distance, which is close. And, um, yeah, same pool of horses. So all the non-tabbers will be down at Warwick, and which should leave some tab horses at Toowoomba. So just looking at acceptances this morning, it, we've got some jockeys up here this week as well, so... I think two weeks ago I blasted 11 units at Toowoomba and last Saturday night was zero. So spin the chocolate wheel and it's time to blast again. <laughs> all right, where are we starting uh, talking about ponies? Don't make it all about me, Jack. Anything else we want to talk about first or just straight into it? Uh, I do. Have, we do have like an offer, actually. Thank you. Um, if you sign up this week to puntingform.com.au get the sectional proform subscription which is $279 per month contact me or Shane Baker at puntingform and I will give you a 30 minute zoom lesson on how I use it to preview or review a race whichever you prefer so if you do get on board I'll hold your hand for 30 minutes to get you started because it can be a little bit uh, daunting daunting to get started so I'll help you get started if you sign up this week. Curls, let's preview something at Ipswich for the punters, please. Okay, let's go straight to the top. The Ipswich Cup Race 7. Um, should we? Do we want to discuss anything about the actual track, some track stats or some meeting stats first? Some interesting stuff from punning form here on the meeting overview page. Yeah. Um, the, the, the thing that stood out to me, just I haven't done any form here, but just had a quick glance at the meeting page and hunting form. Wide barriers seem to be a, a decided advantage um, in this rail position. So horses with a historical on-pace pattern um, outperform the market by, what, a factor of 20%, mm-hmm. uh, whereas the inside and middle barriers under underperform versus the market. And same with the, those mapped to uh, be midfield and draw an 8+. Plus. They also outperform the market and are actually profitable to back. Uh, everything else is in the negative, from what I can see, or very close to square. 
So uh, handy or midfield, and Barrier 8 Plus is profitable, and you wouldn't see that at many tracks, I'd say. No, I think um, well, I'm not, not shocked at all by, you know, running position. I suppose not shocked either because, um, you know, with... I don't know whether... I suppose you, you look, what we're doing here is lining up a set of statistics that are on a provincial track that's racing with Saturday Metro class horses there this week, which is once every fifth, once a year. I, so, like, horses drawn wide that want to go forward and sit on speed. When, when I used to do Brisbane, which was about 15 years ago, uh, professionally, back in the IAS days, and Ipswich Cup Day was a strange one because uh, you had, yeah, obviously a different class of horse to normal racing there, but I don't know if it's the case on Saturday, but usually massive fields. Yeah. Which mean like midfield rail was you might as well tear your ticket up because you were just never getting out. Um, yeah, it's um, like it is a tight circumference yeah. um, and capacity fields like you're going to have to like I'll be betting off map for no luck if yeah, that yeah. makes sense. I'm not looking yeah. for horses that need luck. Now in saying that, this meeting at this time of year didn't go ahead last year because of COVID. Um, but they did run the eyeliner slash waterhouse stakes uh, a couple of months later, but with it excluding excluding the cup. So it was just like a listed race day with those couple of other races. Now, rails rails in run and, you know, was hot. I think Bandapur was the horse that won the main race on the day of the eyeliner, whatever it was. He was last the fence and never went around the horse and just followed the fence right through and they were riding really close. So um, I only remember that because we were on it. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, so I, I, it's hard to know what to expect today um, uh, on Saturday, uh, but um, look, I certainly won't be betting on horses that we we'll, we'll need luck in running. So that being said, uh, we can go and have a look at the Ipswich Cup race seven. Um, now Peter Moody said a few things on the radio this morning, but the thing that took my interest the most and which no one else would have thought about because they were too busy just patting him on the back for spraying the stewards and racing Victoria in general <laughs> was he mentioned his horse in good health that's running in the cup he goes yeah Jimmy Byrne just had to give him too much of a dig to go forward last week and you know he just over raced and went a bit quick so um, we'll be a bit kinder on him out of the gates this week kinder on her out of the gates this week and you know her form's as good as any of these and she'd be hard to beat now, on the punningform.com.au data, In Good Health did lead at Eagle Farm, and it was the slowest lead time that that horse has recorded. Uh, uh, in its last three starts. Yeah, certainly this preparation, that's for sure. This preparation. Um, he's, he's, he's the best of all time, Moody. This time last week, he was giving everyone sermons about... Um, heading to brothels and not going to the gym or going to the gym and not going to brothels or something to do with COVID <laughs> restrictions. And now he's, now he's telling everyone how to handle their assets and, and stewards how to do their job. It's fascinating behaviour and everyone gets around it. Interestingly, a lot more positive feedback for his uh, work around not selling sand down and uh, stewards making mistakes and being humans and trainers mm. making mistakes and being humans. A lot more interaction with that than uh, comparing gyms to brothels and bagging politicians. Yeah. Now, back to the racetrack. Sorry, mate. But look, as far as as far as being able to produce a, a, a 
marketable line out of his mouth for narrative purposes. He's also a Hall of Fame trainer or whatever, isn't he? So he can say what he wants. He has immunity. Um, and, and, and this comment about this horse last start, the, the data says it's completely wrong. The data says he went too slow. So he can do a lot of things, but he can't can't read the pony from data. So <laughs> he mustn't have a subscription. So moods. <laughs> hey, hopefully, get on board. Get two seventy nine dollar <laughs> package, mate, and I'll walk you through it. Look, last time, the start before last. Okay, he stepped up to two thousand meters at Morfittville on a very fast tempo. He went out six point four lengths fast and was able to lead all the way. God bless it, because we were on it. I think um, D Oliver was on. Now had a freshen, come to Queensland, back to sixteen hundred. Lead went somewhere around about nine lengths slower than that. That'd be right, Pistol. Yes. Um, yep. And yeah, he did over race, I suppose, but he probably over raced because he was going too slow. Um, so back up in trip. Um, drawn inside Inverloch. So he's going to be forward. Now, this will be interesting to see what happens here because. Look, I think it's a, I think it's a good chance. It's a very good chance in good health if it's able to lead and run along. It'll be very, very hard to get past. Inverloch, the toppy, um, riveting story on Racing.com about uh, quoting Trent Buston and about this horse saying, "I don't look too much at history," because it's going to be breaking a weight carrying record if it wins the Ipswich Cup with 60.5 kilos. So brilliant narrative there. Um, get amongst that. He was a Walker Cup winner two back, uh, leading all the way. Um, carried What's... 58 and a half that day. Rises two kilos, went to Rose Hill in the Winter Cup over 2,400. He did go, he did um, He did lead that day, the race at Knights Order one. Um, you know, has performed well since. Um, and was beaten completely out of sight of uh, what was an even tempo for that class. So I think the early speed here will be key. Um, I don't know whether Inverloch can win, um, like sort of carrying that weight. And, you know, in good health gets Maloney on for Jim Byrne, which I think is an upgrade. I just hope they don't go too slow again. Um, well, dynamic-wise, yeah. what sort of jockey is Cassidy on a leader versus Maloney on a leader? Are they going to be aggressive or both aggressive to the point where they're just going to cut each other's throats for 400, 600 metres? No, I think they're both too mature and experienced jockeys to be cutting each other's throat. Um, I, I, I don't know how, how Inverloch can bounce off that run last week. That's that's the query for me. Um you know, weight aside, it's you know, it was um, it was beaten. It was ran last. It was beaten twelve, and um, it was hard to see it bouncing back. I know it's a dropping class and everything like that, but it still obviously had a pretty tough run. Didn't it? Didn't enjoy it. Um, so yeah, I think that's the key to this to the race. And then you've got um, you've got sort of the you've got plenty of others that you can make cases for. An interesting runner for me. Uh, in this race here would be number six, Flash R. Now, I think the best way to describe this preparation would be unorthodox. Um, he seems to have a little bit of fresh form. He's, he's had some space runs and 
Um, he won a 1,400-metre listed race at the Gold Coast. Um, it was a pretty ordinary field that day, but it still won. It was a big price, $71 or something into 30s from memory, over 1,400. Then had a fresh and went back to the 1,000 at Eagle Farm, then stepped up to 13.50 in a bench 85. Then freshened again, then won an open 1,000 at the Sunshine Coast. And then last start stepped up to 1,500, where it was a length and a half off Charlize, eh? Is that how you pronounce it? That Mar horse? Charlize? Um, like the race was fast run. Um, it was the second fastest last 200 of the race, I think, behind the winner. So it closed off well enough. Um, you know, it's it's by Lucas Cranick, so you'd think that, you know, a, a staying trip would be suitable. Um, it has one up to 1,800, albeit in 65 grade at the coast. But... Um, it's going to get a it's going to get a cozy run, I think. Um, it'll be, you know, from gate one, it'll be sort of tucked away midfield. I, I don't don't know how far back, but I'm thinking this sort of distance, it should be able to hold a spot a bit closer. But I just I don't know. Look, it's a bit of a grey up this race because I think I want to be on in good health. The, the the data's pushing me towards in good health, and then the only other horse that the data sort of does is gravitating to a bit here is um, the Chris Waller train. Number two, so you win. Who, um, you know, he's been a while between drinks as well. He, you know, his last win was December last year, but he's ran a lot of placing since, um, which is a little bit frustrating. But um, thought he ran ran well when the tempo was against him last time. I think the horse is going super, um, and I've got no query with him, you know, being strong at the end of two thousand. So. Um, at this point, at this stage, I suppose, until we see sort of scratchings and track conditions, we're a long way from that. Um, it's been a little bit of storm activity in South East Queensland the last couple of days, so we'll monitor that as well. But at this stage, I'm thinking, like, if In Good Health can roll to the front, Larry Cassidy's happy to take a sit on Inverloch and trial him. Um, you know, I think, I think In Good Health can, can rip around him, switch on the rail and, and be very hard to catch. Okay, very good. So that's the Ipswich Cup. There's also the Eyeliner and the Gay Waterhouse. Uh, either of those two have an interest at this stage? Um, not really. Um, the, I suppose there's a couple of interesting uh, runners there that I'm sure most people's black books or or um, programs that they use to identify bets next start. So let me switch across here to race oh. eight. Uh, Amish boy was a was a um, was an eye catcher at Eagle Farm when he finished close up diving back to the inside behind Apache Chase and Ayrton. Um, it's another horse that's got a lot of minor placings and some really really good runs next to his name. Um, just sort of like a elusive win, the winning the the winning winning a race seems elusive for him is what I'm saying. Um, he's got Craig Williams on board who's um, like, I know Hugh wrote it last time, right? But Craig is, like, that much better than his competitors. So we spoke about the jockey switches on, on this show a few times, and Mark Roden come up with a point that stuck in my head. You can only rate them against who they're against. And, like, this is, this is legitimately... Um, like, he's class above, right? So anything that Craig's on is going to get a tick, a big tick. So 
I think he'll be able to get this horse into a winning position. He'll he'll know how the track's playing by then, and he'll ride to that pattern, and he'll probably be winning. Um, you know, he's got to carry he's got to carry sort of 58 in open grade here, um, but the quality of his, of the competition uh, has sort of dropped away a little bit in Queensland. I think most of them have gone home now after Stradbroke Day. Um, horse number 10, Axe, from the all-conquering Michael Costa yard. God bless Michael Costa. Um, he trained that $70 winner that Scurry found in the yard for us on Saturday. Um, <laughs> oh, not wow. only that, if you had the punningform.com.au database there, and Jack might have a look at this just quickly while I'm waffling, just have a look at Michael Costa's stats for the last three months, Jack, while I'm going <laughs> on here. Want, I don't want to throw up. Um, so it's, you know, it, it was a... It was a really strong effort last time. Ran third um, to Emerald Kingdom and Co. There, that's a strong form line. For this, has a little tricky gate to overcome, but the stable is completely and utterly able. But wasn't he like none from three in Queensland last Saturday? But he was like that one from one up there. Nah, I think the Saturday before he was five from five in Queensland. So. Any more to more to come, but that's that race. I think that's the race. I think Craig Williams is the man to beat. Um, are you searching, Jack? Yeah, career career ROI negative one point six. Current season eleven point four positive. Last twelve months ten point nine positive. Last fifty. 84.3% positive. At what strike rate? from his last 50? Yeah. yeah. What, what strike yeah. rate is he going at? Uh, thank you for asking, Peter. This is all quoting the puntingform.com.au data. Career, 18.8. Current season, 28.3. Last 12 months, 27.7. Last 50, 42. That's, <laughs> Almost that's one that. in two. <laughs> That's David Van Dyke territory, that. Um, did you say the last 12 months? What was the last 12 months? 20... 27.7. That's, that's elite. Yeah, it's going good. What's Korea? 18.8. That's elite. Yeah, that's still outstanding for a career. <laughs> and uh, that, and it, he started his career in, in Sydney, too. Struggled, went to Queensland. Actually... He deserves deserves every bit of success because he was training a two-year-old at the time that he left in Sydney to move to Queensland, and that two-year-old turned out to be the Golden Slipper winner. You're kidding. I kid you not. What, what was it called? Did Poor Tally train it for Derby? Oh, she, she will rain. rain. She will rain. And it won a Moya. Did he have that originally, did he? Oh, right. Absolutely positive he did. Yeah. It, won, it won a good race at, at Mooney Valley, like a group one. That, yeah, when it was three, yeah. And it hooned. Like, yeah. I think Tom and Barry wrote it. Oh, back to Queen Melbourne wrote it in the Golden Slipper, hugged the rail when it was a heavy 12, because uh, he rightly said it was the track was shit everywhere, so why go 20 wide? Yeah. Race. <laughs> That's more than fair. Yeah. <laughs> good to have those fearless blokes with it. Yeah. The no care attitude in racing, the more the and better. He, actually, just don't want to digress too much, but in his post race um, interview, I asked him about sticking to the fence, and he thought, "Oh, if this doesn't," he said, oh, "If this doesn't work, I'm going to get hung up by my balls." But I stuck there anyway. 
hung up by him. That would hurt. <laughs> Not even the glad wrap would help. Uh, that's <laughs> should always wear. It. But there's the the last race is the Gay Waterhouse. Um, not sure whether Gay is going to be there on course to present the trophy. Um, but this is like uh, falling away to a um, just another Queensland Open handicap here. Um, there's a little bit of speed here, so I'm interested to see how the track's playing throughout the day. Craig was on the horse that I, that I wanted to be on, and originally in Intrepidacious, who um, was on speed and and almost won two back when Outback Barbie just knocked it off when it come down the sprint lane. Um, there's a number of horses that can go forward here. If it looks anything like horses can make ground, one horse that is very dear to our heart, number eight, Socialising. Love. Um, Jim Byrne's on it. Now, Jim Byrne is, uh, has got a ride zip switch track well. And, uh, um, you know, if, if by that stage of the day, we'll know very well whether you can sort of, you know, weave your way through traffic and run on here. And, um, you know, I think this horse ran a nice last last week, beaten 5.8 lengths at Eagle Farm. Um, but uh, just want to see how the, the race shape is by the time we get here, because we'll know by, we'll, we'll well and truly know by this race, um, whether it's worth being on horses that you want to make around or not. So... Open race, number of leaders, um, all track dependent for that stage of the day. But um, yeah, not a lot to get excited about throughout the day for me. Okay, very good. Now, Dickens, we're not going to go into anything at uh, where are you this weekend? Flemington. Yeah. Or d- hey mate, hey mate, hey mate. <laughs> we do have. Darcy will jump in for a race at Flemington. Uh, we do have a viewer Disgusting question, parenting. This is the stuff I'm doing for our team and for the viewer at home. Before I had children, if I saw someone like at dinner give them the iPad, I was judgy. little tip for anyone who doesn't have children, do not judge until you have walked a mile in their shoes. <laughs> He's watching the big betting iPad, which is now basically a YouTube iPad and it's predominantly playing Blippi, which is a sickening show, but it keeps him quiet and makes him very happy. So uh, that's what we're doing. And because it's on YouTube, which doesn't happen to our shows, <laughs> but when you get to a certain level of success, they pound you with ads and you got to, the parent has to fast forward the ad. I was going to say, anyway. Darcy will be all over that in about six months' time. He'll be able to skip ads. We'll get him involved. So. He'll be the new intern. It'll be wonderful. Um, Flemington or viewer question? The viewer question's pretty good. I'll do, I'll do one race at Flemington if you want. I think you'd right. expect that. So I'll do one. Uh, hot trainer at Flemington is Archie Alexander. And uh, as far as a hot rider goes, this real hot boy, Benny Mellon. I reckon he's back. He strikes better than anyone. Like, he improves historically at Flemington. Um, rider to watch. I think he's just getting his weight just about right and be going pretty good uh, pretty soon. But hopefully it's a J Carr day or, or our... Um, or Froggy knew it, because in race four, we've backed number 12, Lindhout, who I backed at Sandown yesterday at a big price. It hemorrhaged, and then they scratched. Uh, we backed the winner of that race still, and I don't think Lindhout would have won the way the track raced, so good scratch. Thank you very much. Uh, I think they'll be more suited to run on on Saturday. The rail's out 11 metres at Flemington. This is the fourth race, so you'll have some kind of idea by now whether to pull the trigger or not. Uh, we've already bet and took seven fifty and uh, five dollars. They're slightly shorter now, but they're both backable prices still. Uh, I expect Lindhow be worse in midfield, but get home really well. And then this South Australian horse for Jay Carr and 
are jolly. Um, second up, I like what it did first up. I like Jay Carr. She is riding. Everyone talks about it, like, but she's getting better. She completely, and to our detriment, completely and utterly handled Dean Yendall yesterday at Sandown. Uh, we were on a Zoom call together. It was a car crash, wasn't it, boys? Like from the very start, when they went past the post the first time, we were on smoke and Romans. Mm. And no one wanted that fence. She was just out there on a limb. And Dean just said, oh, fuck it. All right. I'll go to the rail. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, T Hope's got Jay Carr's ass. And those two just tow into the race. And we wait our turn, just miss. Painful. Jay Carr's flying. She'll handle this this bar- this wide barrier. I think Poister wins the most likely winning chance of this race just in front of Lind Hout. Back them both. Speaking of Jamie, while we're on the subject, just quickly, what about the, the what about the handling she dished in the first yesterday? Yeah, but let's. Well, she handled she handled like a very. I don't know what to say here, but she didn't. The, Handling Dean Yendall's a lot harder to do than handling the the, the riders she handled in races one and two. You pussy. <laughs> Very uh, bubble bath of me, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Well, you're a bit close <laughs> to the participants there to say what you need to say. Yeah, I know. Compromise your ability to if be If there's objective. one time I'm going to compromise it, always going to be in that exact situation, just in case. <laughs> um. You can only rate them against who they're riding against, and she is far. She was far better than who she rode against. Well, and that, that it might have been race one. It was a complete not to fill. It might have been just you and me, Kels, on the phone then on Zoom. It was. it was a complete fill and run. You can get SP about hers when she'd she done the same thing she did to Yendall to um, the race favourite, which was Michelle Payne's ride for her brother, cousin, dad, and um, I'm pretty sure they're related, Mark, because they're both named Payne. <laughs> same thing. <laughs> But yeah, she she had the race where she wanted it. Her horse is always going to like look the winner at some point and trade real low, which it did. All right. Viewer question, you still? Yep. Uh, from Tommy H. Can you get your thoughts on betting early with fixed odds not actually fixed and susceptible to deductions? Surely betting early is a mugs game, given the variables that can occur from Wednesday to Saturday. Oh, hang on, look what he's just done. Speaking of dust, he's taken it from YouTube. Does anyone recognise what that is? <laughs> I do see. That's, that's Bet Angel. Oh, Bet Webby, Peter Webb. Uh. <laughs> oh. All right. Where are they, where are they moving up, Darth? As long as he's winning, that's the main thing. Uh, Tommy H continues. Case in point: Red Can Man in race nine at Flemington on Saturday. Much hype, trialed well, but down the straight for the first time, and up against a few tried and handy horses with a better record on soft. There are enough variables here to my amateur eye to suggest that this thing should be $6 plus on a Thursday. What the fuck are we being offered, or why, I think he means, why are we being offered 460 this far out from race time? Thoughts? So first of all, I guess that's a couple of questions. One, in terms of Red Can Man, obviously had really good WA form. I thought he actually probably overachieved for a lot of the time that he was over there, but the horse just continued to, to find and to improve. Uh, but in terms of betting early, what do you guys think when it comes to locking in that price? Are you scared of deductions? Are you scared of the track changing, weather patterns and so forth? Uh, Roden, let's start with you. Well, this is where you have to be confident in your ability to um, price at least reasonably accurately. If you've 
if you've got one $4 and you're confident that it's a $4 chance, you're happy with that price and you can get 7 or 8 you have to bet. And, yeah, there might be an unexpected track pattern. There might be deductions, but you just have to wear that. If you, if you, if you can consistently get an over like that, you've got to just take it every time and, and hope it comes out in the wash. Because even um, if you even if you're negative two, like give it a take two lengths off it for the track pattern. Yeah. Come the race, qualifies. it's still going to be six dollars, and you got seven. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So that, they're the kind of edges you want to really get stuck into early markets. You've got to remember they've got a lot of percentage in their favour this far out. Thursday, Saturday, twenty five percent or something like that. So that they are they're quite. They're not exposing themselves. They're well protected by that margin. Um, so you have to be very confident. There's half a mistake being made. You, you cannot just go through the card and say this will win, this will win, this will win, and take the Thursday prices because you will, you will lose heavily doing that. But if you what do you think pick, about watching what we do? How I do it? Well, you, it's it's cherry picking, one or two a meeting, you know, mm. so maybe some, maybe more. And you look at how I do it for Saturday. I look, there might be a, a favourite I'm pretty confident is going to shorten, and we'll just take the price there. A lot of cases, I like the look of the price of a $6 chance, but I, I can't be sure it's going to go off, so I'll say have something best of the best as well. So you you sort of cover it either, either way there, and you get a nice average in the long term. But, yeah, the way you do it and the way I like to approach favourites, look, they're the ones where you can get massive um, overlays because $3 into $2 yeah. is 17%. You know, 6 into 5 is 3 Yeah. Or 3.5%. So when you get the big shorteners at the sharp end of the market is where the value exists. Which again is why smoking Romans was so sickening because it's two seventy into two. Yeah, well that's fourteen, thirteen and a half percent. All right, Kels, yeah. your thoughts? I had a great answer for this too, and now I've lost it. Um, <laughs> That's a great insight into the young man's head. Now, look, we're um, talking, he's not really listening, and he's going through no, the answer, and he's was... going, That's a fucking great answer in his head. <laughs> no, I, was, well, I had this great answer, then I listened to Roden, and I was like, Yeah, you're right. Um, look, it is, it, it is, it is, of course, it's about cherry picking. And look, I'll tell you another thing that, that I haven't, that I struggle with a little bit, is these. Hype trialers that will just go yeah. off as soon as the market goes up. You're not fucking pricing them, right? No, the, no, the blokes, the blokes that are backing those horses, aren't pricing them. No. They're, they're, just, them. They're, they're black bookers and they're and they're backing them, right? Yeah. Um, that's like, fuck that. I, I don't. I struggle with that. Um, now, obviously, when I'm betting provincial Queensland, there's a number of those types of horses that go off. You know that might have jumped out well or whatever else, and you know I'm talking from my experience betting in the markets that I bet into, and they'll be completely turned off. But you know, and um, yeah, it's probably going to get worse when the NBLs kick in in July one. It's going to be quick in the dead at those prices, but that doesn't mean that there's not going to be opportunities betting later when the market settles itself out, because as you said, Mark, they're well and truly insulated from any damage with the market pr prices going up and. You know, there's a, we've seen it on Dynamic. We discussed it this morning. Pistol, certain bookies go up 140%, which fucks the algorithms from the other bookies that bounce off each other uh, and completely ruin a price and a ticket hasn't been written in a lot of examples. Um, so that happens as well. Um, as far as betting early is concerned and fixed prices not being fixed prices, um, 
I don't disagree, but you can sometimes get a read. Like, I know if I'm looking at a market and I see a horse that's drawn gar- barrier 16 and it has got no jockey and it's $3, that, you know, there's every chance that it's going to be nom somewhere else. So you've got to go and do your homework and look at the horse and say, yes, it's in Sunday at the Sunshine Coast with Ben Thompson from Gate 5. You're not going to bet into that market. Um, you've also got to be aware of, you know, all, um, people like Sportsbet who deduct for emergencies. Um, that's another little anomaly. Where yeah. I've got something to say about that. That's actually a fair assistance. Because if you've got something in the market in the emergencies, which then gets a run, if you back one of the original field, the normal field, you cop effectively a reverse deduction because it'll it'll lengthen just yep. by the fancied runner getting a run. By getting it a run, yeah. I mean, obviously, there's every scenario is different, yep. but there's all these factors that need to be taken into account when you're going to decide whether you bet early or not. You know, I think pricing them and, and seeing the overlay and and cop an acceptable overlay is one thing, but you, as long as you understand the depth of that, what else can affect that market with dual acceptances and that sort of stuff too, yeah. I think is important. So I don't think there's a blanket rule at all. I think you just cherry pick and, and um, I don't know, maybe you know, Mark does it a fair bit with half bet now and half bet best of the best to, to protect yourself. Yeah. I'd also, in a perfect world, I'd um, wait till after scratchings to bet. Yeah, in most cases, it'd have to be like what? I've sent. I, I do this really. I've sent one out for Saturday because I think it, it's got it's got a real big box of stick that I love, and I think it's a you big box. But hey, you are. Yeah, check your phone. <laughs> um, oh, good. I'll back that one. Yeah. yeah. But in most, but that, that's that's an outlier as far as I'm concerned. I'd rather yep. wait and know what the field is. Um, you're almost. But the only hey, deduction you can cop from then is a scratching at the barrier or something. Peter's the same as you. Yeah. And and you know what the map is? I'm the opposite. I couldn't care less. I just want to bet and whatever it will be, will be. No, like, I'd... No, it's in, like, days I... Out, bet. One day out, bet on the day again. Just, just, I just, yeah, bet. just I, I, I think that the... The answer to the question is I don't think you're pricing to 100% or you're even pricing. Did he sort of say, I think it's about a $6 chance or something? Yeah. So like, if you just if you're just picking a number out, you just pick a number out. It's gonna be pretty hard to measure long term what you're doing. But the the real data nerds, which is a word I've picked up I picked up this from them. It's it's closing line value. So if you're yeah, pricing to a hundred percent, you you just know over time. Like, so we've been betting early for a while now with my service, and I, you guys can I don't care if you disagree with me and say it if you do. I feel like we get really good closing line value regardless of result with the with the early prices that we're taking. I measure that consistently with Jackson and um, so so we we're gonna persist with that. If a horse was six dollars, I wanna mark that four dollars or shorter. Because it with a with a really bad map that's like that I thought was a good map that's flipped into a really bad map and a changing track condition that's not good. That horse might go out to sort of just north of six dollars the way I price, and, and that's a risk I'm happy to take. Like nine times out of ten, it's going to stay four dollars, and, and it could even get shorter. But if you're saying that what feels right to you is getting six dollars about a horse you've marked four dollars, that feels like that feels like a bet to you. Yep. Well, that's eleven percent of uh, overlay, you, that, and that's your base. That's your minimum. Yeah, that, that, that's that's about it. Yep, I'd say that for sure. Um, uh, but I, oh, sorry, no, but, it's not. Sorry, that's. It's about eight. It's about eight. But still. Oh, I'd say more than 5% is what I want. 
yeah. to be honest, yeah. at least. And um, I do think with what Curl said is really relevant. You, you'll feel like anxiety and pressure to, to bet straight away. There's no way that those markets, are, like the people betting, have priced 100%. It's, uh, I, I reckon it's probably like two to three brains or systems that decide those opening sort of 10 minutes. There's like one plastic that goes up, they all sort of follow, and there might be one trial watcher who backs their eye and has like a price like you're doing, Danny, is it? He goes, this thing's a $6 chance, I reckon, and just bets. And that's all it is. You can't compete with that unless that's what you do. So what I do is a process, and it repeats every single time I do a race meeting. So don't rush. Don't force it. When you're ready to bet, if the price is there, the price is there. If it's not, it's not. It's not going to end your life. Yeah, don't. And, and with the NBLs, the, the fluctuations in Victoria are, are so dynamic and fluid now compared to what they were that you, you, what, what might have been a bet like at the start of the day, you'll end up backing three different horses come the jump. Darcy started playing the guitar, so I'll mute myself. <laughs> I was just going to throw out as well, you also have to get used to the concept of averaging, especially if you're betting in somewhere like WA, which doesn't have minimum bet laws because you might be able to get on at one joint early and then three joints maybe 9am on the day or after scratchings on the day and then obviously you'll be able to bet a lot more late. So you end up with like this sort of a, sort of a, a, a triangle sort of shape of your punting getting bigger as you get closer towards the, the end and you've got all these prices that you've taken. You just have to be confident in that, you know, you're, you're just averaging out over time, um, especially as you get closer to the jump. So you want to have more on closer, obviously, but it's a different system out west. Yeah, you're definitely hamstrung out there. Um, uh, uh, something that you mentioned last week too, Pistol, was like giving some kind of credence to the market set, to the market setter. Yeah, you mentioned last week um, in this instance. Um, you know, there's price assessors you have to give some respect to. Yeah, I think there's a few that you can, with time, and they obviously make less mistakes the more they learn. There's a few of the bookmakers around the place that seem to have their a better eye for setting a market. And like I said, I think at the time I said, you know, people only remember the times they get it wrong, but quite often they're getting it within ballpark of that market percentage. And obviously they've got a lot more room to, to wriggle around with early. But, you know, I think usually that opening price, there is going to be a few snipers early that, as Jack said, will be backing things without necessarily having prices. Once you actually have a deeper look and start to see what everyone else has opened up. You can get a fair idea of what the market will look like late. Yeah, I think if um, I think if there was mistakes and multiple mistakes made daily, you would see it on Twitter. People would be, you know, cheering one on. I got $12 this, they made a mistake. Um, and we all know what happens um, if the mistake's too large. Um, you receive an email saying, oh, we made a mistake. We've bought it that bet. <laughs> well, as someone who used to do it, put up the early prices, um, and saw a lot of commentary around some of the prices I put up on Twitter from time to time, going back, you know, eight, ten years now. But um, I think that happens less and less. I mean, I'll probably spend less time on Twitter, but um, I think people are, people are less impressed by and less inclined to crow about, oh, you know, how did they put up seven bucks this, you know, what a bunch of mugs. That, that doesn't seem to happen as much because 
Look, it's an industrial process. You're pricing hundreds and hundreds of races a year, throwing up markets. The pressure is on you to just get them up and start betting. Yeah. That, that, that's what the company's there for. That's what the website's for. Just bet. Yeah. Just put them up. Let the punters knock it into shape. You don't have to be 100% right. So then I think there's a better understanding of that these days and going on and say, have they put up X, this horse is less of a thing. Yeah, I think especially with, you know, obviously some of the late moves on the fair, quite often there's just no need. That you can't make the commentary anyway because once the market yeah. percentage comes down, I mean... Yeah. And, <coughs> unless yeah. you know what it's going to be as P, you're better off keeping your mouth shut. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. All right, good question anyway, Tommy. Um, I think there's plenty of different opinions when it comes to betting early and when yeah. is the right time to bet. But uh, for me, it's when you've done the form and you finish the form for the race <laughs> and, and when you're able to get on. Yeah, I think and the crux of the if you think it's a six dollar chance and it's four twenty, then you've got to be trying to lay it. Like your price is your price. Yeah. And if Big you think that, if you if you think that's a six dollar chance, then there's going to be something in this race. It doesn't matter if it's not the horse you loved or you wanted it back. That you've like, you might have the astrologist eight dollars and it's it's ten. So I'm going to back that now. That's how it works. All right. Very good. Uh, Mark will catch up tomorrow with Mark Sheen for some victims action there at is it Randwick tomorrow? Yep. Rose Hill. Uh, Rose Hill. We both yep. landed on Cisco Bay in the last, which was, what, 6.50 into three something on the totes and got the money. So we'll be looking for another pearl of wisdom from the great Mark Sheen tomorrow. Absolutely beautiful. Oh, um, so your fault. You're the hashtag they that they're talking about on Twitter on Saturday. <laughs> they launched at this. Uh, it's just coincidence that was coincidence. All right, remember we've got um, we got this. If you if you purchase Punning Forms sectional pro form subscription for two hundred and seventy one dollars a month, I'll give you a thirty minute uh, lesson. We've also got Manny Mail, not Manny or Manny Mail in Sydney. He is red hot. Oh. Only bloke is slightly hotter, which is like it was pretty stiff. Mark ran fourth out of the five last Saturday, and he won about twenty units. <laughs> but uh, Peter is airborne. Uh, the profit on turnover is like it's hard to fit into the the template, um, but it's enormous. He's flying. Curls uh, and I are doing what we do. Jacko on board as well. So if you want to support the show, get around us. We're winning. Um, while it continues, you should be a part of it. Head to themailbag.com.au and get on board. Enjoy your week. Bye for now.